Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you've ever seen um, a Tarantino film, oftentimes they are, uh, they're kind of panoramic. The beginning happens in the middle, and the middle may happen at the beginning, and you kind of know where the ending is going to go as soon as you get about to the first act of, of something like that. I'm thinking of 1994's Pulp Fiction because it's kind of all over the place. Um, Revelation is kind of all over the place. It'll give you a view of this event that may take place in the last half, but then they might tell you something later that happened at the beginning. It's, it's kind of all over. What we've done in the last couple of weeks has been Revelation 12 and Revelation 13. It really just kind of looks to see the demonic government in the end times. We've talked about the satanic unholy trinity of the dragon, the devil, the father, the antichrist, the devil, the son, the false prophet, which is the devil, the unholy spirit. We've seen how they're going to have a system. Um, it'll be kind of known as Babylon. That's what the first century people would have understood. It was a corrupt government, a corrupt religious system. It was, it was corrupt all the way around. And we, we've seen how God deals with the lost and how God uses the devil as his judgment in Revelation 12 and 13. In, verse four, in chapter 14, we're really going to see how God interacts with us during the tribulation, how God interacts with his people. There's two groups of people in Revelation 14. There's a group that are standing before the Lamb, and then there's another group that is being reaped by the Lamb. Let's look at this passage. The first group are those who are standing with him. Revelation 14, verse 1 through 5. Then I looked, and there before me was a Lamb standing on Mount Zion. With him were 144,000 people and who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven like the noise of flooding water and like the sound of loud thunder. I believe it was a sound that was probably similar to what was heard at Pentecost. Uh, the sound I heard was like people playing harps, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the new song except those who had been through the flames, the 144,000 who had been brought out of the earth. Those are the ones who did not do sinful things with women because they kept themselves pure. Now, verse 4, I don't think it necessarily means they were, they were chaste in the sense of a Roman Catholic priest, but I think part of the system of the Antichrist, uh, Kuhner, is going to involve is going to involve uh, it's going to involve sex. I think that there, I think that there will be a sexual component to the antichrist religion at the end. Uh, back in the day, they would have temple prostitutes in the first century with Ephesus, Colossia, Galatia, and things like that. Uh, I think that there will be a very uh, perverse side to this, and I think that these hundred forty-four thousand. I think what that means is uh, that they didn't get involved with that. Uh, not that, you know, having sex with your wife or your husband, that's, that's, that's all good. God is good with that. So it's not that that it is a sin. It was probably dealing with the temple prostitutes that was what this particular thing deals with. I'm not going to unpack it because, quite honestly, it's all speculation. They follow the lamb every place he goes. Those 144,000 were bought from among the people of the earth as women to be, I'm sorry, as, uh, uh, of the earth as people to be offered to God and the lamb. They were not guilty of telling lies. They are without fault. Now, the 144, we're going to talk about that in a second, but who's the lamb? We've already been introduced to the lamb. The lamb was the one that was given the, the scroll with the seven seals. He was the one that was worthy to do it. It was the lamb's blood that the righteous claimed and they overcame. It is in Revelation 13, 8, that the book of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Y'all, this lamb is Jesus. Now, these 144,000 are standing with the lamb. They are singing 
before the Lamb. We know who these guys are because these are the ones that were supernaturally sealed, anointed Jewish believers that are released to preach the gospel into the end time, great tribulation generation. These, these 144,000, they have escaped the reaping. They have escaped the wrath. They have escaped the judgment of God, but they did not escape the persecution. These are people that were on the earth and they were witnessing for God when the church was removed. They were preaching the gospel when the, uh, when the satanic world government and religious system was preaching the devil. These 144,000, I believe, during the Great Tribulation, they'll be viewed upon the way most normal sane people view groups like the Proud Boys or BLM or a white supremacist group, or a group like that. I believe that's the type of hatred that the world will have for these Jesus lamb following 144,000. They'll be hated. They'll be marginalized. They'll be called uh, deviants. They will be called uh, social debris. They will be hated. They may get out of this and they go to heaven. The reason why they go through all this hell and barbaric punishment, and when they get to heaven, they look back on their life, and the, the Bible says they sung a song that nobody else could sing. Did you remember reading that? Their song is special and unique because nobody else has went through what they went through. And when they get to heaven, they look back on those things that they went through, and it gives them reason to praise. It gives them reason to worship. And church, I believe that their story arc sounds familiar because it's ours. You see, God takes care of His own and He will finally place them in a seat of glory in heaven. One of these days, church, every single person who's followed the Lamb in this life will follow the Lamb into the next life. You follow Him here, you follow Him uh, on. You see, down here, we get down. We get knocked down, we get turned around, we get let down. But one of these days, Miss Schaefer, they're going to lower me down into a hole. And the only thing that's going to matter on the day they lower me into the hole is, did I follow the Lamb? Who was I following? Who did I set my course of my life for and follow? Church, all those down moments that we have down here, whether it's losing a marriage or losing a, a spouse or a child or sobriety or sanity or your health, all of these things that we go through here now and we think, my God, how did I ever make it through there? When we get to heaven, all of those down times will be reason why we sing because we remember what He's brought us through. We remember where He's taken us from. We remember the victory that He's given us. And all of those horrible things that we've went through on this side of the grave give us reason to sing. And here's the thing. Angie Zang's song is a song that nobody else can sing because nobody else has lived Angie Zang's life. Miss Fogerson's song is a song that nobody else can sing because nobody else is Mrs. Fogerson. Church, God gives you a song to sing that He's given nobody else to sing. Church. All those down moments here will soon be the reason why you worship the Lamb louder there. Christian, the picture of the 144,000 going through hell on this life, they are in, the in the passage, they are now standing before the Lamb in glory. Church, your salvation has been secured. It has been sealed. It is guaranteed by God. Whatever you go through down here, whatever you go through in this life, understand this, church, whatever you go through, your salvation is sealed. Your salvation is guaranteed because it's not based upon who we are, but based upon who He is. 
So whatever you're going through in your downtime here, understand God will get you through and on the last page of your life is not written death. The last page of your life does not have defeat. The last page of our life does not have failure. The last page of our life says glory and grace. Now that story might have a bunch of downs in it. The church, the down, does not have the last say in the story. If you're wondering if you'll be with the lamb after you die, ask yourself, are you following the lamb now? I'm not talking perfect. I'm talking about endurance. I'm talking about persistence. I'm talking about finishing the race to win. His grace does for us what we can't do. He does love us. Church, even when we do wrong, God loves us. Even when we sin, God loves us. He hates the sin, but He still loves us. But here's the thing, church. Because God loves us, don't ever abuse His grace thinking, well, I can do whatever I want because God's going to keep loving me. That is true. But church, can I tell you something? Because you love Him, we should be living for Him. If we're thinking, oh, God loves me and I can just live like hell and do whatever I want, that's grace abuse. And I've got to question yourself. I want you to question, do I understand grace? Because grace is not a license to do whatever you want. Grace is a license to receive the salvation of God through his son, Jesus. And because of that, I love him and now I'm going to serve him. Church, everything God has said is true. If it hasn't come true yet, it will come true. I promise you. If you follow the lamb, you're not going to be without struggle. If you follow the lamb, it's, it, it can be a tough road to hoe. But God's going to give you a song at the end. Uh, man, there was a, a mama and two kids, two little boys, about a two-year-old and about a seven-year-old. Up there at Walmart, they've got all this junk on the uh, candy and crap on the, uh, the, uh, the uh, checkout, you know, and... I did the same thing, I'm sure. Mom gets up there. First thing the kid wants to do is pull something off a JPEG, you know. They have glow sticks up there. Why would somebody put a glow stick at the daggum register? I have no idea. But the little kid says, eh, me, 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 me. So mom, you know, mom's at her wit's end. She takes that thing. She opens up the glow stick, gives it to the two-year-old, and he's just as happy as a pig in the sunshine. It ain't glowing. It hadn't been broke. It's just there, and he's just so happy. Little brother, the seven-year-old snatches it out of his hand waterworks begin and mom's freaking out says, man what are you doing give him back that seven-year-old brother takes that thing takes it up gives it, gives it back to his brother and now that little boy was happy but now he's amazed now that thing is glowing and he's just as happy as he could be the, look, the big brother looks at the little brother and says hey buddy i had to break it for it to glow church we serve a God who knows everything about us and man sometimes he has to break us in order for us to glow he knows how beautiful we can be he knows how awesome our life can be and man sometimes he breaks us in order for us to be beautiful it hurts when you're being broken it hurts when you're down but church, there's something beautiful that comes out of our brokenness, and God will give us a beautiful song to sing at the end. Let's look at the second group. We've looked at the first group, those who were singing before the Lamb, but the second group are those who are reaped by the Lamb. The Bible says this, and church, I'd like to do this as a responsive reading. I'm going to read part of it that's... Uh, I'll read the, the white part. You all read the yellow part. And I saw another angel flying through the heavens, carrying the everlasting good news to preach to those on earth, every nation, tribe, language, and people. Church. Yeah. 
Then another angel followed him through the sky, saying, Babylon has fallen, the great city, because she seduced the nations of the world and made them share the wine of her intense impurity and sin. Church. Must drink the wine of the anger of God is poured out undiluted into God's cup must, uh, of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire, and they'll be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb. trial and persecution and they are his saints who remain firm to the end in obedience to his commands and trust in Jesus. For the first time in the Bible, we see angels begin to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. They begin to teach the message of the cross. They begin to teach the message of the, the blood of the Lamb. The reason why they are just now given that privilege, because until the church is raptured, it's our responsibility. In church, until the church is raptured, it's our job to preach the gospel. Now, their message was the same as ours. Love God, love people, live like Jesus. That was their message. Church, I, oftentimes, we... we I, I tell you to share your faith, share your faith, share your faith, and it's dawned on me recently that we've not done any training on how to share your faith in a very long time. The next Connect group that we have will be this, this is the title of it, it's going to start like April, um, April 20th, uh, how to turn everyday conversations into gospel conversations. We're going we're gonna to start doing that because Jude 1 kind of hit me this week. It says, but you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most ho holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt and snatch others from the... Y'all, fire is coming. There's nothing we can do to stop it. There's nothing we can do to hold it back. The fire is coming. And the Bible says it is our job as a church to save those from the fire. Everything God said is true or will come true. And when He says that the system, the corrupt system of Babylon, the devil's world end time uh, system will fall, it will fall. It will come down. I promise you. All of the blessings of the Lamb's followers, all of the blessings of those who follow the Lamb are real. But church, every judgment for the lost are also real. Every single one of them, the wrath, the blood, the bowls, the trumpets, the seals, all of them are real. It all boils down to who you follow. Are you following the lamb? Um, then the scene changed and I saw a great white, then I saw a white cloud and someone sitting on it who looked like Jesus who called the son of man with a crown of solid gold upon his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And then an angel came to the temple and called out to him, begin to use the sickle, church say sickle. That ain't no game. That is a, an, a blade that cuts down wheat, weeds. It'll cut down anything and the, uh, with a crown of solid gold upon his head and a sharp sickle in his head. Then an angel came from the temple and called out to him, Begin to use that sickle, for the time has come for you to what? 
I'm sorry, the time has come for you to reap. The harvest is ripe on the earth, so the one sitting on the clouds swung his sickle over the earth, Jesus. And the harvest was gathered in. After that, another angel came from the temple, and he also had a sharp sickle. Just then, the angel who had the power to destroy the world with what? Fire. The fire is coming. Jude tells us that it's our job to save people from the fire. Then another angel came from the temple and uh, destroyed the fire, shouted to the angel with the sickle, Use your sickle now to cut off the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are fully ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle on the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. And the grapes were trodden in the winepress outside the city, and the blood flowed a stream of 200 miles up to the bridle of a horse. Church, at this point, humanity is halfway through the tribulation. They have gorged themselves on pleasure. They have gorged themselves on sin. Again, I bring in the idea of the temple prostitutes there in the Antichrist uh, religious system. The world has, has uh, almost had a fat Tuesday for about three and a half years. You ever see a tomato that is, that's so ripe, it's just soft and squishy? Well, that's the idea of that grape. They have reached the point of maturation where they have got all the sugar in them they're going to get. They have all the juice in them they're going to get. Now is the time to take them off the vine because they are bloated with juice. They are bloated with, with the juice that's going to make the wine. And at the right time, the Bible tells us that Jesus takes all that off the vine. They have gorged themselves into sin. Now, I kind of want to tell you a little bit about this because it's kind of interesting. When we see that sickle in Jesus' hand, He's not holding a magic wand. He's not holding a feather. He's holding something to cut things down. He shows up to chew bubble gum and to reap, and He's all out of bubble gum. The images that the author uses are images like fire and brimstone and torment and death. These are horrific images. And people may say, well, how can a loving God cut down humanity like that? How can a loving God... Cut people off of the vine like that. How can a loving God let people torment for an eternity in a devil's hell? Church, God's love is holy. And He hates sin. God has a holy love and that means that He can't wink at sin. It means He has to deal with it. He has to deal with the wages of sin. There is a punishment that comes with sin that God has to deal with for everybody. All of us. Sin has to be dealt with. And God's been speaking grace to the world since the cross. But when the church is removed, those words of grace begin to drip with judgment. The time of grace is over and judgment comes during the great tribulation. Church, there's no rest for the wicked, but praise God. For the saint who follows the Lamb, there is eternal rest. That's ours. Um, back, in 19, uh, back in 2017, uh, in northern Israel, they unearthed this uh, wine press from the 4th century. The last day harvest that's coming, God is going to call sin's debt due, and that's where the reaping comes into place. For much of the world, they're going to wind up on the, the floor of the wine press. This is a picture of, of, of the excavation as it is. And what happens at the top of that, there's a platform. They would bring in the grapes from the vineyard, and they would put them there on that platform. We think of, uh, of, of Lucy inside of a, uh, a bucket, uh, but that is Italy. This is Israel. They would put them on there, and they would, they, would, uh, they would stomp them, and the juices would run through those bricks and into a channel, and it would gather in a big vat at the, at the front of that wine press. So they would put those, 
fat gorged uh, grapes on there and then just just tramp them down. For much of the world, they're going to wind up on that wine press floor during the Great Tribulation because they've not followed the Lamb. They've rejected God. They've rejected His gift of salvation. And what God says is that, hey, you will be crushed. You will be done away with. And it seems like in the church, we don't like to talk about God's wrath anymore. We just talk about how He accepts everybody. God's okay with whatever. Man, that's not, that's not the God of the Bible. Okay? The God you and I serve, yes, he is the suffering servant. He's the Lamb of God. He's the great physician, and he's the good shepherd, and he's Abba, and he's our Father and our Redeemer and all these things. But he's also the guy that flooded the world, killing everybody but six, eight people. He's also the guy that leveled Sodom and Gomorrah. He's also the guy that, that, that drowned Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. That's the God we serve too, okay? It's not either or. It's both and. And if all we see is of God as our buddy and our friend and, and, and our chum and, and, and things like that, we lose, we lose the fact that God is our friend, but man, He's also the judge. He's also the creator king of the universe. And I think that's where we have to live our life, on that bubble between being fearful and being our friend. I'm going to tell you what happens if you don't. If you think God's just your buddy and he doesn't ever bring judgment and wrath on you, that's when people stop going to church and people start being obe stop being obedient in their, dis their disciplines of their faith. Because the people think, well, God's going to love me no matter what I do. Okay, but Christian, if you're a born-again Christian following the Lamb, you're going to do kingdom stuff. That's the evidence. That's the proof in the pudding. You want proof of God's serious hate towards sin? Look at the cross. God cannot stand sin. Because all the judgment and all the wrath and all the penalty of sin culminated on the cross 2,000 years ago. God released judgment and wrath. He released, uh, he, he released all of it on Jesus. All of our sin, all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our lust, all of our pride, all of our addictions, all of our hang-ups, Jesus took to the cross with Him. And on the day Jesus died, the full wrath of God came down on every sin. That's how serious God feels about sin. The fire is coming. You have to ask yourself this question. Am I following the Lamb or am I not? Because church, the only safe place when God's wrath comes is underneath the cross. That's the only safe place. Um, my dad, we grew up in a fire department house. Uh, and I would... I was always amazed when my old man would go start fires, ever controlled fires. I don't mean he was setting arsons to houses or anything, but, but they would go do a control fire. And that way, if there's ever a wildfire, it would stop there at the Boy Scout trail or things like that. Um, we're all going to go through a, a similar thing. All of us are going to, we're going to have to go through fire sometime or another. We're going to have to go through a reaping sometime or another. What do you mean by that, Preach? A controlled burn is also a prescribed burn. It involves a planned burn. Burning trees that are dead, burning underbrush. 
to allow the sun to come in and to grow those seed pods that have hit the ground that have been there and they've not had a chance to grow because the sun couldn't get there. That control burn takes out all the, all the junk, takes out all of the, all the trash, all the dead things, and, and before too long that forest will come back to life after the burn. Another thing that it does when the wildfire comes, that wildfire cannot go past where that controlled fire had been. It acts as a fire break. We've seen today in the text that the fire's coming. Now, here's the deal. Back in 1978, Cooner, I understood the fact that if I didn't follow Jesus, then I was going to fall smack dab into the fire and the fury of God's judgment and grace. I was eight years old when I realized I needed Jesus. And when I was eight years old, I got underneath the cross and all that judgment and all that wrath that I should get, I claim Jesus' sacrifice for myself. Now, church, if you've not been to the cross, that fire is still coming. The wrath is still coming. The only safe place is the cross because the fire of judgment cannot burn where the fire of cleansing has already burned. You see, when I was eight years old, I brought it underneath the blood of Jesus and He burned it all up and He consumed it. What about you? Have you allowed Him to consume your sin, to take it away, to burn it out? Some of you need to go back to Him today because you've let some things grow back up. And you need to have some controlled fires in your life today. Say, Jesus, I've got lust in my life. I want you to burn it out. Or I've got pride in my life. I want you to burn it out. I've got, I've got an addiction to porn. I want you to burn it out of my life. I have an addiction to sex. I want you to burn it out of my life. I don't treat my wife the way I should. I want you to burn it out of my life. I don't treat my children the way I should. I want you to burn it out of my life. Church, Jesus can do a controlled fire for you today. A controlled burn. Consume it. So you'll grow again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Are you safe from the reaping of God's judgment that's coming? Are you safe from the reaping of God's judgment that's coming? Because the truth is, there is an ark for you to get in. There is a refuge for you to seek. His name is Jesus. He'll take care of your sin today, right now, and He's the only one who can. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Today, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, you want to make sure that you're following the Lamb. And you know today that if you would die, then you would bust hell wide open, and you're not satisfied with that. You're not content with that. You don't want to leave here knowing. That hell would be where you'd spend your eternity. Let's change that today. Almighty God, I am a sinner and I fall short of Your glory. I've messed up. But Jesus, I believe You're the Son of God. You died in my place on Calvary to take away my sin. Jesus, I profess You as my Savior. I profess You as my Lord. Because you lived, because you died for me, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. As your heads are bowed and your eyes continue to be closed, if I could, could I just ask you to stand? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, could I just ask you to stand? And maybe right now you're saying, yep, I'm saved. I'm ready for the end. Good for you. 
How about while we're waiting for the end to come, how about we mature as believers? Some of you need to ask Jesus today for a controlled burn over lust or pride or, or envy or hate. Maybe a controlled burn over a negative attitude or laziness. or Maybe because you treat your husband bad or your wife poorly. Maybe you're an absent mom or an absent father and you need to be a better mom and dad. Those are all areas of our life that Jesus can do a controlled burn on. Maybe you've got an attitude of, of racism. Maybe you're dealing with an affair. Maybe it's spiritual arrogance or pride or being judgmental. Jesus can do a controlled burn on all of those. I wonder today if you'd give access to Jesus to, to do a controlled burn on some of those trouble spots before they get out of hand. As Miss Pam continues to play, I want to give you this invitation this morning. If there is a spot in your life that that you desperately just want Jesus to do a controlled burn over, before a wholesale burn later, let Him take care of it now. Almighty God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, Father, you would draw those that you want to draw. That you would deal with those born-again Christians that have areas in our lives that we just need you to clear out, do a controlled burn on, Lord God, because we want to grow again. We want to mature in our faith. We want to follow closer to you. So, sweet Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw them to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.